Would you rather be paid 7% more if inflation is 12% or would you rather be paid 1% more if inflation is zero? Welcome to Macro Peace Theater. I'm your narrator, Emil Kalinowski. And that illusion, that money illusion, was brought to our attention almost 100 years ago in 1928 by Irving Fisher. Our episode today of Macro Peace Theater is brought to us by Jeff Snyder, the head of global research for Alhambra Partners, where on the 12th of November, 2021, he posted a blog post, Jesus, titled The Wage Economy Illusion. In it, he reviews the rate and volume changes in iron and what that might mean for the global economy as a whole. Are we being misled by the high prices when volume is down. Irving Fisher was a prolific economic writer and thinker. In addition to decomposing bond yields into growth and inflation expectations, he also came up with something called the money illusion. He ever went so far as to write a book on the idea, published in 1928, and for all his imagination, he called it simply the money illusion. At issue is, essentially, human nature. People think about their own situation in terms of nominal money rather than in real values, which are more complicated to figure out. The way this is commonly explained is in the nature of wages and wage acceptance. Most people would far more likely be satisfied with a 5% pay increase, even if inflation is running at 7%, than they might be in a situation where they wouldn't receive any pay raise at all, but prices are falling maybe 1%, or even stable. In the first situation, overly simplified, the worker is actually 2% behind where they were at the start. The other situation leaves the same worker 1% ahead, or at least in the same position. Humans, being humans, however, we'd rather see a bigger number printed on our weekly, bi-weekly, or whatever paycheck. Only later do we complain, throwing our fists toward the sky in search of who and some official capacity the, to threaten, given the palpable feeling of being left behind, if not knowing why or exactly how. There is something similar which takes place in evaluating the overall economic situation, too, a money illusion as to the gross or aggregate economic situation. I'm not talking about GDP which those who calculate the measure do an adequate enough job trying to balance nominal versus real and present the differences as best as anyone might. In specific economic situations or statistics where this isn't available or possible, it can lead to serious confusion, causing equally serious misinterpretations. I'll give you a specific example, building upon data I went through a few days ago trade values versus trade volume, specifically China. Quote, put together the inflation caused by the world's shipping problems, having created a confusing situation, and it might initially appear as if a booming economy is plagued, being held back by nothing more than these supply shortages. Clear up the supply problems and voila, full recovery is unleashed, which would, in this view, make already inflationary conditions that much more inflation-y. 
However, if we consider these prices as anomalous and that the global trade system isn't nearly so recoverish, then what we have instead is a false signal because no one seems to understand and appreciate inflation versus inflation overlaid on top of a weak rebound which is being essentially eroded as this growth scare further develops. Using an even more specific part of Chinese imports, iron ore, we can piece together this very interpretation from specifically China's activity in global trade of this one commodity, and therefore what it might portend for not just iron. First up, the money illusion. By dollar value of Chinese imports of iron ores and similar, it sure looks like China is back to its old ways of building the hell out of everything everywhere inside the country. Their economy must be so incredibly awesome that they can't possibly get enough iron to keep the steel mills running and that only government politics like pollution controls can be anything of danger to this robust gangbusters recovery. For the world economy savior, unquestionable demand, whatever supply difficulties. Right? Digging into the situation, however, a very, very different picture emerges. As I wrote about China's imports as a whole, the volume of iron ore imported shows us not just the illusion, more so it just how big and therefore pervasive it must be. The actual flow of material did rebound in 2020, but has been falling ever since the middle of last year, consistent with the general slowdown all of 2021 so far in all of China's economic accounts, nominal or not. Of the past two months, up to September 2021, with iron future prices dropping through the floor during them, total Chinese imports in tonnage weren't any higher than they had been during 2018's very real, very painful downturn. Obviously, Chinese imports do not and cannot explain the entire more complex situation in the iron market as well as the overall global economy. But this is hardly an isolated instance where, on the one nominal hand, it only appears to be, given price behavior, the economy is as Warren Buffett said, red hot. The money illusion in this context sure might make it seem that way. Volumes up and down the global economy too often point to vastly different macro picture interpretations. Instead, what's happened is supply and non-economic shipment factors have created a mirage of a recovery from by vol from what by volume or quantity is actually even more lackluster in total global trade and production than what I've presented here of Chinese imported iron ore. This has serious implications, especially in how we might consider in the U.S. something like the labor market situation. By nominal prices, given the recent CPIs and such, the economy really might appear to be on fire, when in reality, it might be nothing of the sort. What might this mean for the labor market as a whole, which everyone says is held back only by the labor shortage? 
thinking the nominal economy is representative of the real situation, a shortage of workers might make more sense. Coming at it, however, in this other way, you end up with a very different sense, the one shot full of common sense. From the view of another former commodity darling, lumber, some inadvertent truth gets let out despite its previous epic rise. In the United States, sawmills are facing a labor shortage as workers are unwilling to work in such dangerous conditions at low wages. This is not a labor shortage by any rational thinking. It is, on the other hand, a clear example of a recovery shortage, even when, for a while, prices made the situation seem otherwise. If lumber economy, so to speak, is and had been as robust as the price of the commodity had put it, then sawmills would be beyond willing to pay the market-clearing wage, ending the labor shortage in a single swift stroke of uniformly higher pay. The entire global economy this year has instead been injected with a non-economic pricing structure, which has left most people, especially economists, with the impression of some red-hot, inflationary-hot, awesome recovery. Therefore, there really would be a labor shortage. However, if the overall situation worldwide is more like iron and China, lumber and workers who won't set foot in, a, in the mill without more nominal money, then for all the additional dollars or currency changing hands, they have done so for far less quantities outright or in perception being produced and moved than it might otherwise seem therefore maybe not needing nearly as much rehiring and work as humanity has so far been led to believe. The economy illusion. And that's even before we even get to the statistical problems. Thank you for listening to this episode of Macro Peace Theater. It's the second one in a row in which Jeff Snyder calls our attention to rate versus volume nominal versus real. Did I get that order right? I don't think I did, but I know you understand what I mean. Volume is the real stuff. The rate, the prices, that's nice. But as he explains to us here, not something to hang your hat on long term, especially if the real economic activity isn't there. So this is the second article that we've gone over on this particular topic. You can find Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Snyder underscore AIP. You can find his writings at Real Clear Markets. You can find his writings at the Alhambra Investments blog. You can find me on Twitter at Emil Kalinowski. And you can also find me on alternative Twitter platforms such as Parler and Getter. Also at Emil Kalinowski. Because what? Why? Because my ego is so big, so unwieldy, that I believe that I will be the focus of an international conspiracy whereby our voices will be silenced. So I have to, well, you know, if they did it to the former U.S. president, (laughs) surely they'll be after me soon enough. So I'm diversifying and I'm on other platforms in case when they eventually get to me on that blacklist of names. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, enough silly billy stuff for me. Yes, on Twitter, on Parlor, on Getter, at the YouTube. I'll see you tomorrow.